High School Football on Round Guy Radio was brought to you by Iowa Tire of Fairfield, Iowa. Mike's Auto Sales of Muscatine, Kyoto Transmission and Repair, Flint Cliffs Manufacturing of Burlington, Iowa, Wester Drug of Wilton and Muscatine, Jen Fagan, your neighbor's insurance agent, Home Plate Sports Cards of Oskaloosa, Henshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa, B&B Propane, Richardson's Tech Solutions, and Farmers Co-op of Envision Ag of Kyoto, and the Packwood Locker of Packwood, Iowa, soon to be Griner Meats and Groceries of Richland, Iowa. We're talking playoff football with Scotty Melvin. Scotty, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. How well, are you? I got a text from you like almost immediately as soon as the, the brackets come out, and, and uh, we went through them. Uh, yep. It's eight man to two A, but we're going to do it in reverse order because that's the way I wrote it down. Uh, and we're going to start. Uh, Scott's going to give us a little analysis of of, of these matchups, uh, and he'll know some, and there'll be some he doesn't knows less about. But we're going to start out with uh, Animosa four and four at Meepo, who is six and two. Yeah, I don't know much about Animosa uh, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to scroll through the list here what their record is and stuff four and four Minneapolis six and two. We do know quite a bit about Minneapolis. Um, and we kind of predicted early on that it was going to be a district race largely between them and mid Prairie with a couple other teams that might have a shot at unspeeding those two, but it didn't go that way. Um, Minneapolis won the district. They started out hot early with that big win over Columbus. They had a couple bumps on the road with some tough opponents, but, they win their district. They get to go in as a first place, uh, number one seed, if you will, in two A. Animosa coming in at four and four. Like I said, I don't know much about them, but I, I, I can't imagine that they will uh, derail Minneapolis in round one. Um, hopefully, the Bulldogs uh, start hot at home and and give their fans a one more nice thrill. They might get another one after that. I think if they win this one, they should get a second home game in the playoffs. You know, it, um, I did talk to Coach Borson a little bit about this game. Um, you know, he's he when I talked to him, he had like I don't know an hour or less to look at the yeah film and stuff before we got on the air. But he has a little bit of an idea of what's going on. But you know, the thing about Meepo, Meepo and Columbus, they both start out one and two, right? Yep. And and people are kind of you know throwing them under the bus, and they're you know. They're, they're, they're feeling like their seasons are, are, are in a bad shape, but they both wind up six and two and, and claiming the one or the two spots. But the thing I, I did take from what Borison said was uh, that their 5-0 and record in the district is really what matters in this playoff bracket. And, and that is uh, how the state set it up. It's something I like about Iowa. There's some, I, you know, growing up in Illinois, do certain things over there that I don't care for. Um, and then Iowa's got a lot of things right. There's a couple of things that I don't like that Iowa does, but that's not one of them. I like the district thing, give you that opportunity to. Well, I, like I say, I, uh, uh, I'd much rather be 0 and 3 playing great teams and 3 and 0 playing cupcakes in the in the. Yeah non-conferences because what Meepo did was get ready for the conference and then they just rolled through it like a freight train. So uh, I'm pretty high. I think Meepo can go quite the distance in this. I do too. And, and I don't want to discount Anamosa right off the bat being four and four. Cause I'm going to try If I got the opportunity here, I'm going to hit these uh, opponents that we don't know much about and just look at their schedule quick mm-hmm. and look at Anamosa's. This team has been, uh, even in their losses, very competitive. One that stands out to me is, uh, game they lost against a state-ranked Monticello, um, 38-20. Not terrible, 
you know, Anamosa is going to be competitive. This isn't going to be the easiest first round game by any means, but I do like Mediapolis in the matchup. Okay. Well, here's here's the matchup of Albia, uh, who did qualify for the playoffs. They had a pretty good season. They went up four and four, uh, and they're going to go on and take on uh, Van Meter, who is eight and zero. Oh. Uh, gosh, I just uh, Van Meter has a great school, but man, their athletic director is a jerk. Yeah, I know how you feel about those guys, and uh, you know Albia. Um, I, I like that district because early on in the season. Well, preseason when we previewed these districts, I have a feeling that they were probably going to finish on the lower end of that district, but also had a shot at making a run of the playoff spot. And they did, but the problem is you don't want to make that playoff spot as the number four team <laughs> because they get a van meter right off the bat in the first round where they're located is just not favorable um, to be that fourth uh, seed or whatever, or a fourth place team in their district is you know, this is going to be a monumental task. Um, Van Meter's got a 52 to 14 win over Humboldt, who I think been state ranked or at least around the top 10 in 3A. I mean, I don't see it happening, buddy. I think Albia is going to just have to uh, buckle in tight and, and uh, you know, enjoy the ride of making it to that, that postseason. And uh, they're probably coming back home for uh, basketball season after this. Well, Van Meter's so sorry. Such a such a sorry excuse of a, of a of a uh, athletic director. He tried to get a waiver to stay down in, in A to play A teams. What a ridiculous! Uh, you know, you, they they advance those teams up and they're still number one. Man, they don't need to lower their talent. Well, the one thing I will say, the, the team like them in a Grundy Center that got bumped up. Um, we've seen both of these schools have some tight games against some teams that they may have faced in the. Uh, in the latter rounds of this playoff. So the, that uh, cakewalk that they've all had <laughs> through these last few years to many, many trips to the Dome isn't going to be quite as easy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch these later rounds. But, you know, I have no doubt that they'll make it that far. You get a dang T-shirt made up says no cake for Van Meter. I, I I hear you, man. I know you didn't have the best experience over there. Well, it wasn't week. me. It was, it was the – it was SK's broadcasters, Lee Crawford and – and uh, Coach Islick went up there. I'll tell you, I'll just tell the story. They go up there to cover the game between SK and Van Meter, and it's pouring. And I mean pouring. I mean, uh, the absolute worst conditions you could have. It's cold, it's raining, it's wet. Uh, uh, and they go, uh, and they try to get in the press box, and they get thrown out of the press box. And then they go set up on the track with a tent, you know, um, yeah. to keep their equipment dry and, and try to get – some visuals on the game and they wait till after they're completely done and start their broadcast. And then they come tell them, Oh, you can't be on the tent. You, you can't be on the track. You have to tear down the tent. And then they go up and they get umbrellas set up in the stands to try and stay dry and keep their equipment dry. And then they tell them, Oh, you can't have those umbrellas, you know? So, I mean, screw you, Van Meter. You, you guys, you're, you're not your team or your coach or your fans. Your athletic director is the worst in all of football. Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> I like it. West Burlington, Notre Dame, a, a team we like a lot. They had a, 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 a little stretch where they, where they had a little trouble in the schedule, but come out five and three, they hold this this uh, three spot, and they're going to take on Comanche. What do you, what are you thinking on that game? 
Well, let me let me pull Comanche up real quick here. I wish I had a mini window computer instead of a phone, but you know it's it's what I got. Comanche, four and four, played in District Four there in two A. You know they they were also competitive in every game. They gave Wilton a little bit of a test. They uh, beat up on fellow uh, playoff qualifier Northeast thirty three to eight not that many weeks ago. Uh, gave Alvernet a run in their game early in the season. Beat up on Tipton who uh, throttled Mount Pleasant from down here. Uh, they were not very competitive against Monticello. They've beaten Anamosa who will be facing Minneapolis uh, fairly handily. So Comanches going to be a challenge, but not what I consider when I saw these come out of uh, an unwinnable game for West Burlington, Notre Dame. I think they can compete hard in this one and maybe pull a close one out. Uh, the one thing I said on Twitter yesterday that I'm happy as hell for uh, the, that program, the Falcons, coach Joe Bowman and the players that have stuck it out and helped uh, turn this thing around is this is a big uh, turning point year for them finishing the way they did um, and getting into the playoffs. This is uh and they've got a lot of juniors, so, you know, these boys need to enjoy this, uh, what they've accomplished, no matter what happens this coming Friday, and uh, build on it for next year because they could be a holy terror in that district in another season. Right. I like this game, Scott. I, I think this is just exactly uh, uh, a really good game for uh, West Burlington Notre Dame, although they do got to travel, and that might be the difference here. But uh, outstanding yeah. season, and, uh, um, you know, last year they were – you know, where they're going to have to, you know, forfeit games. They didn't have enough players. And this year, roll out of it and come into the playoffs. Outstanding for Coach Bowman down there. Yeah. Well, let's uh, – uh, here's another one. Um, and this is a matchup that's three years running. Uh, Northeast Goose Lake, 4-4 four and four at Mid Prairie, 4-4. Four and four. And if I'm not mistaken, Mid Prairie's gotten the better of, of Northeast Goose Lake. They did every, the last couple times. At least, yeah, at least since we've been paying attention uh, on this podcast and doing this thing. But uh, I don't see it going in any other way, personally, uh, than what it has been going. I think Mid Prairie's uh, made a lot of improvement over the course of the year. Northeast is competitive team, but they've definitely lost some some well by some whopping scores. So let's put it that way this season against uh, decent opponents. And I, I think mid Prairie will be too much there at home. Uh, this, this has all the makings of uh, mid Prairie making a, a run to at least one more round of playoffs. Well, uh, the thing I remember three, uh, two years ago was Northeast Goose Lake had a freshman quarterback with loads of talent. And uh, he put up big numbers and uh, gave him a pretty good run in that game. And this year he'll be a junior. So he might be some kind of a factor or something to see. This might be a good matchup, Scott. It could be. I mean, you know, and a kid like him can, you know, if they catch fire and they do all the other things right in the game, they could pull it off. You just never know. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now. You're talking about Gavin Kramer, and he is a junior. Uh, considering the talent he's got and, and what we've seen from him as a freshman, it makes me wonder, looking at his numbers, if the rest of the team isn't quite as strong this year as it maybe had been in the past. You know, his supporting cast maybe not quite what it was. And, uh, you know, he's got another year left to go because his, his completion percentage is under 55 percent we've got a lot of a lot of quarterbacks and when i get to that list i made for you you're going to see a, a lot of kids that are way over 60 percent completion rate he has tossed 16 touchdowns and only six interceptions that's pretty good um you know but i feel like he's had better seasons without going back and looking at him 
yeah. than this one. He may have had some more talent around him uh, yeah. prior to this, but we'll see. I still think uh, yeah. it'll be worth the money to go see this game. Definitely, and, and they will, uh, you know, our, our Golden Hawks will not want to take them lightly, obviously. Strange that they're playing the same team three years in a row, but. I know, it, that's how it goes. you know, as my wife likes to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here is a, uh, e- here's a EBF three and five, but they make the playoffs. They didn't win a game last year, Scott. So yeah. we got to give them all the credit in the world for what they did, what they got through this season, but they're taking on Iowa city, Regina, and that's a tall order. Yeah. That's uh that Regina team, you know, after what they did Friday against Wilton, um, you know, it, I, I told uh, Julie Keith that it didn't surprise me that there might be a letdown for Wilton after that high, high emotion victory a week before uh, against West Branch. But I did think it would be a closer game, especially the style that, that uh, Regina plays in that mucky, rainy weather. Yeah, it was pouring down yeah. rain the whole time. The, the, the yeah. field was really sloppy. It was uh, sometimes, you know, I'm not saying that, they were 35 points difference in that game because of that. But I do think yeah. that, and you're right, you know, they had that big, big win, and and sometimes you just emotionally spin after that. Yeah, so I don't want to judge uh, anything of, of these teams that we're following off of that one game too hard, but it did, it did uh, instill some confidence in me that Regina's loss against West Branch uh, recently might have been an aberration, and uh, Regina has kind of, caught my eye in uh, this last week here against Wilton, thinking that this is a team that's got a, a dome run in them. And that mm-hmm. West Branch game might have been something that woke them up a little bit. I would not want to be EBF on Friday. Yeah. Well, uh, here's another team I doubt you'd want to be, but they did make the playoffs. West Central Valley uh, takes on uh, an SK team that, that I am super high on. Well, you're not the only one. Uh, Sigurd and Kyoto, you know, they – they had me thinking uh, there's always question marks coming into a new season. I'm thinking that these guys are probably at least as good as they were a year ago. Uh, then they, they lost the early game PCM. I didn't put much stock in that. The only thing that kind of, kind of gave me a, a moment of low confidence was how well Pleasantville played them and how lucky SK was to come out of that with the win, which was super exciting and i was so happy for him but i thought oh it, it made me think that the way pella christian had handled pleasantville that maybe this was the year pella christian was getting over the hump on on the cobras and that was not to be um you know and i know this as a fan of many years watching this sport you can't really put a lot of stock into one game from week to week but Sigourney Gyota has been on a on a tear since then. Uh, maybe a, an offensive tear, unlike anything I've ever seen. Especially the style they run, because you hear Coach Jensen talk all the time about three yards, three yards, getting three and a half yards, you know. And then here they've been rattling off wins like eighty-two to nothing. I know against subpar uh, opponents or whatever, but that is a that is a team that has a a look about them that reminds me of Winfield Mountain. And we'll see how far that takes them. Uh, you know, one A is a tough field, but uh, I think Sigourney Kyoto is at least going quarterfinals again, if not to the dome. God, you gotta, you gotta give a uh, uh, coach Jensen some congratulations because all these seniors have never lost a district game. That's amazing. It is, and four in a row district championships, and uh, and some rugged opponents along the way to 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 pull that off is a 
man, that's really special for that senior group. All right. Well, Ogden at four and four is going to take on Pellet Christian. You know, that's a, that's a little bit of a rough matchup for Pellet Christian from what I remember. Ogden's been a, a competitive team uh, the last couple of seasons, and I don't know much about them other than they win a lot of games, and I think they play in a pretty tough district themselves. Um, I'm going to pull them up real quick here. There they are, the Bulldogs. They play in uh, 1A District 7. Um, ACGC's in that district, or that might have been a non-district game, but at any rate, that's a team that's uh, highly thought of across the state. Ogden lost that game, but only by a point. Uh, I'm trying to look at some other possible uh, tough opponents that Ogden might have had that I know something about. I don't know. This West Central Valley beat Ogden a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ogden's lost some games. They're 4-4, four and four, so they may not be quite the tough team that, that they have been in the past, but uh, certainly some experience there of success on this uh, or in this program. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about the matchup for our boys. I think the Eagles will fly high in this one. I do, too. I think Pellet Christian's going to Well, here's this team you mentioned earlier, and I didn't think the whole deal is everybody just underestimated them because uh, they're solid. Uh, Pleasantville yeah. at 5-3, and three, and they're going to take on West Branch at 5-3, and three, and uh, uh, I think Pleasantville has an opportunity to give uh, West Branch what they gave SK, a, a run for their money. They do. Um, Pleasantville is uh, definitely not an easy out. My problem here is when you go through the West Branch schedule and you, you see their record and they're five and three. Yeah, but you know they th that is a real deceptive five and three. They got a loss where they were blown out by Williamsburg early in the season, and that <laughs> doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, one eye opener the week after that blowout, they lose again, but to State Power Dyke New Hartford nine to seven. So mm -hmm. they're on that level. Um, They've got a, a nice win over Columbus Catholics, a playoff qualifier, and a really good program. And then they kind of blitzed through the district until they got to that uh, that uh, Wilton game that they dropped, you know, late at the end there. But uh, that was close too, though. Yeah, and they've got a twenty-one seventeen win over Regina, who I'm thinking is a real high-powered one A team. So West Branch, um, definitely my favorite in this one. But Pleasantville, you know, I would love it if they give them a run. Well, uh, Wilton, uh, who we mentioned earlier, is traveling to Woodward Granger. Wilton is seven and one. Uh, Woodward Granger is four and four. Uh, that might be a better matchup than we had, had, uh, thought they would get. Wilton went from uh, seven and zero oh, and number one, first place in the district with the with the first seed right at grasp to losing, and then when they lost Iowa City Regina. It knocked them all the way down to the third spot. Yeah, um, and you said that was a points thing. I hadn't dug into it, so I didn't know if it was points or uh, maybe an alphabet thing uh, that comes into play sometimes. But it is like, as a fan, it's like one of those things that just really grinds your gears to see a team you like and a program that you love to have the type of season they have, and they, they drop that one game at the end. It should not affect things too much. Um, they still got – you know, first place in the district, even if they're sharing it, and it knocks them to a three seed, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, that's tough. And then to have to go on the road, seven and one, and going on the road to play four and four, Woodward Granger. Uh, I still like, like you said, though, I agree. 
I like to match up. But let's dig into Woodward Granger. Yeah, I don't even second. know where that is. Do you? I don't know where it's at. It's north of Des Moines. I guess I, I did look that up. It's north of Des Moines. It's going to be a good two-hour-plus haul for Wilton. Yeah, that's um, a uh, – oh, from a home up. game to a two-hour haul is a – it's a big it, switch. It, but it is what it is. You it know is. What I mean? you got to win those games. Oh. I would say that Woodward Granger's got some – some fire to them. Apparently they only lost by a point to uh, one of the top ranked teams in class a Madrid early in the season. They played our uh, Pleasantville Trojans and uh, lost 28 to 14 week two. Um, they've got a close loss to interstate 35, another playoff qualifier. They beat Ogden playoff qualifier 45 to zip this season. So they've got some, some good wins, some close losses. They've got a couple blowout losses to some high ranked teams. I think Wilton's got the edge, but this ain't going to be an easy game as far as a, a four and four team goes. There ain't going to be a whole lot of easy ones as the playoffs continue here. Uh, well, let's see here. Well, that's it. Last for the two uh, A and one A, uh, we're going to drop down into the A's, uh, and we've got a North Lynn at four and four is going to play Elizabeth at eight and zero. Man, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, North Lynn plays in what I would call probably the small school's toughest district. That district loaded. It is impossible week to week to predict games in it because the team you think's got the edge is going to lose. Um, it, it was just kind of was uh, a weird uh, round robin of teams beating on each other this year. You got some real high quality teams up there. A bunch made the, the playoffs or whatever. Um, this is probably a nightmare matchup for Lisbon in a round one game. To be honest, if I'm Lisbon, I'm I'm a little irritated that I got to face the links right off the bat. These guys uh, have dome run capability in them. Even uh, you know the placing they got in their district. I mean, they they beat uh, Starmont, who is a really good team. That's a top ten team. They shut them out early in the season. They beat Alburnett pretty bad, who's a quality team. Um, they dropped a real head scratcher. 41 to 14 to East Buchanan, who's a very good playoff team as well from the district. But to get blown out like that had uh, had the whole state really uh, surprised. They've got a close loss recently to Maquoketa Valley, who is a team that scares me for Columbus. You'll get into in a minute. Um, so they've got some losses, uh, but they're high quality losses <laughs> if there is such a thing. And they've got a lot of wins. This is this is probably one of the teams that I would least want to face right off the bat, the playoffs and undefeated Lisbon gets them right away. I'm, I'm feeling almost punished for finishing undefeated. If I'm Lisbon. <laughs> well, uh, Lisbon had a pretty outstanding season. Um, yep. North Lynn links, you were real high on them last year. And I seem like they went pretty deep into the playoffs too. Well, like I said, they get, they make dome runs routinely. Their basketball program goes to the state routinely. This is not, um, this is no lightweight here. I mean, this, like I said, this, this could be possibly if I'm Lisbon finishing eight and oh, having a tough road myself. And, uh, I, I want a cupcake right off the bat. You know, I want to guarantee that I'm getting into the second round and there is no guarantee here. Okay. Well, here's a, a number four against the number one here. Uh, the Danville bears make the playoffs in their first year. Uh, you've got to see them a couple times here. Yes. Uh, they're going to take on a seven and one Wapsie Valley team. Who's the uh, number one in their district. That's a, uh, uh, that's a tall drink of water there. It definitely is. And Wapsie Valley's routinely in the playoffs, uh, and flirts with, you know, top 10 rankings every year, but they're also one that 
I feel like they, uh, without knowing a ton about them, I, I see their name a lot over the years in the small school rankings and in the playoffs, uh, and they never seem to make it as far as I think they're going to. Having said that, you know, Danville getting, uh, you know, first year back in their program, getting into the playoffs is just huge. That's a great springboard. They've got some high-quality athletes uh, uh, can can do some damage, especially through the air. Um, now, you take me, you're pretty high on their quarterback. Yeah, Jaden Bauer can chuck that ball a long ways. They've got guys that can haul down passes and double coverage. You don't think they can make the catch. They, they're, they're blanketed by a safety in a corner, and the receiver, especially number five, and I can't remember his name right offhand, that kid will come out of there with the ball, and he's fast. If he gets loose, he's gone. Uh, so they can put up some points. Wapsie Valley better have a good pass defense, or this could be, you know, a little bit of trouble for a first-round game. Having said that, it's a lot for a seasoned team uh, like Wapsie Valley and a, and a new kid on the block like Danville. It'd be, like you said, a super tall order for for Danville to come out of here with a win on the road. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, they could they could shock some people. Well, uh, yeah, coach, talk to Coach Thompson, man. Our listeners are high on Coach Thompson. Uh, I did a poll on A1, you know, Coach of the Years yeah. a couple weeks ago, and he, he lit it up, man. Uh, our listeners are really high. And, and you got to admit, four wins in the first in a playoff in the very first year you put a team together. Pretty impressive. Well, in the way they've done it, uh, that's a, a real high-quality defensive line. I've seen them in person twice. Um, they scheme well. You know, the coaching staff there, Thompson and his, his fellas, they – they do some really nice things to try to, you can tell they've studied their film when you watch them uh, boys play. And uh, they do some things that uh, can, can muck things up for the, the opponent there. So, you know, there's some intelligence going on there, some football intelligence. There's some, some, like I said, some athletes, there's always athletes in Danville. We see that from their, their basketball program year to year. They, they could be some trouble for a team in the first round if they are uh, taken too lightly. Yeah, um, hopefully they can put some points up on the board with that good offense. Um, they, they, well, can, man. They, they can light it up if they hit on a bunch of those passes because they've got some, some serious skill uh, throwing the ball. Well, uh, uh, Marquette, how do you say it? Makokata. Makokata uh, is going to take on Columbus. You were at the Columbus-Danville game. You know, I'm going to say something that, that uh, Coach Thompson told me. He said, Caden Amagon is the hardest player to tackle they've ever had to go up against. Well, you know, they, they and I mentioned this to Coach Telly, I was impressed with uh, Danville, as I said. You can tell they studied their film. They they did some run blitzing and they shot gaps with linebackers that hit Caden uh, and Riley for some no gains and some losses. The problem is there was a handful of those and then there was a whole pile of uh, – dominant blocking by Columbus's big boys up front. And then Caden Amagon, if you get an arm on him as he's running by you, he might as well just not even put the arm out. Cause he's, he's going to go shake free. his hand, let him go on by, I guess. And he, yeah, they he said if they him. had, if they could get to him before he had the momentum and the full head of speed, they could get yes. him. But outside of that, you know, when he's, when he's, and he's running through daylight, it is. He, yeah. It, it, it's not going to be linebackers and D-backs. If he's gotten to the second and third level, you're screwed. You know, if, if the linemen and linebackers can come together, get him and Riley down at the line or behind the line, you know, and they could do it routinely, then then Columbus might get stymied. But 
It hasn't happened yet, even in the loss to Lisbon. I've only seen really um, Minneapolis having success there, and that game was just an aberration. <laughs> the one team had fresh legs all game long, and the other team was worn out in that heat. Um, yeah, but, that's the first game of the season. That, you know, uh, <laughs> about throw that out, to be honest with you. Pretty yeah. much. Uh, uh, but and, let's Makoka Valley, they have a kid named Lance McShane who is a beast. And I guess he had more what? rushing yards than uh, Amagon, but he had like 40 or 50 more carries. That's true. He's a workhorse type. But and uh, but having said that, buddy, he is just under 10 yards per carry on the season. He's got a, a long run of 73. So he's more than just a power back, but he can kind of do it both. It reminds me of uh, an Owen Hassel. If you want to just hammer out, three yards, four yards all game long with him, you can do that, but you better not get him, uh, let him get loose because he's got the potential to bust off long as well. So he's going to be a tough matchup for Columbus. I, I felt like all season long Columbus has been a little con- inconsistent defensively, uh, but more more in, in the passing game than the rushing game. I think the fact that they seem more stout against the run than they do the pass definitely bodes well in this first round matchup. But this is, much like Lisbon's matchup, this is not a, a gimme game. This is not an easy game, and uh, Columbus will have to go into this one with the mindset that they're playing for a state title because um, any kind of letdown or or whatever, you know, you could be looking at an early round exit here. But and, I, uh, I like Columbus overall in this matchup for sure. This is a repeat of last year too. It is, and I, I believe uh, Columbus handled them pretty well last year. So I'm hoping for the same result this year. Okay. Well, uh, Central Decatur, um, they played Linville Soy last week to see who was a two and three. Uh, had a home game kind of uh, in the balance of this. Linville Soy comes out on top, so uh, Central Decatur drops down to the three spot, and they will be traveling to Earlham, uh, who has they're both five and three. It's only an hour and ten, hour and fifteen minute drive, so it's not uh, uh, the road trip won't get to them here, but. Uh, uh, what are you thinking of this game? Well, it's the Cardinals versus the Cardinals. Oh, it's a double you know, Cardinal Earl matchup. Ham, yeah, Earl Ham's the Cardinals. Uh, now, if this is right on bound, Earl Ham and Central Decatur played in week one. So they, they've they got a common opponent, and it's each other. <laughs> and Earl Ham came out of this 25-7. Um, that score is not what I'd consider real lopsided. I don't know. Central Decatur's got a shot here. I don't see why not. This uh one of them deals where I think these teams are probably evenly matched enough that, you know, the, the, what's the coach always say? You know, if you're the team that come out on the losing end the first time, you're the one that makes the adjustments. The other team doesn't have to because they, they already had the winning formula. That always seems to favor the, the, the team that lost second time around. So let's just hope Central Decatur is that. Uh, that team and and they can come out of here with a win. It won't be easy though. Earlham's got a one that jumps out at me uh, a few weeks ago. They only lost to Madrid thirteen to six. That's uh that's doing some work for the Earlham Cardinals there. Well, uh, Central Decatur, uh, everyone I talk to plays talks a lot about their offensive line. They have a really good offensive line. So maybe that'll help and maybe they can make some adjustments. But I'm still thinking that this could be a good game. I think it will be. I think it looked like it was the first time around. Um, so, you know, we'll, well see what happens. The right adjustments are made, number two. Well, uh, here is a game that I got a lot of eye on. And uh, um, this is going to be a tough draw for uh, the road team here. 
But the Pekin Panthers, six and two. They're going on the road to play Linville Soli. Now, I talked to uh, uh, Linville Soli's coach, and he says, you can go back and look. He said, there's a lot of big games between Linville Soli and Pekin. Yeah, I've been at one. Uh, oh, with hey. that one, I believe it was uh, Keaton Wynn's senior year. And uh, Pekin had kind of an up-and-down year. They had high hopes that year, had a really good team, and some things didn't go the way they wanted. They still ended up in the playoffs. And I remember at some point in that season, uh, Keaton Wynn had started out kind of playing the, the tight end spot. And I, I'm thinking the way that kid moves and runs and, and the strength that he had and the superior athleticism of, like, I would have him in that backfield. They were running like a T-form power, you know, old Tom Stone-style offense. Sure enough, late in the season, when things were getting a little rocky, Keaton Wynn ends up in that backfield and starts toting the ball a bunch and led them to some big victories and was an unstoppable force on the football field. Uh, but if I remember correctly, Linville Sully was too much for them in that uh, playoff game and came out of there with a win and ended peaking season. Um, so I have personally got to witness some of that. And I think that's the last time I've seen Linville Sully in person uh, play football. But, uh, yeah, there's a long history there because of a lot of football success of both of these schools. Um, yeah, it makes sense that they would bump into each other in the yeah, playoffs. And they said they've had some regular season games with them too. And, I, yeah, for sure. I think they've been in the same district over the years here. And yeah, there. he said this oh. is a this is a, a matchup that goes back to the 70s or something. So. Yeah. All right, well, well, yeah, uh, go ahead uh, about Pekin. What do you think? I, I, you want to know what I think about Pekin? Well, yeah, I want to know what your thoughts are. You've seen him more than I have this year. I've only seen him once. Well, I actually, I've seen him a lot on the film. Uh, but one thing I learned uh, uh, is uh, it's different seeing him live. You see him better. It seems more. Uh, the thing I took out of that was uh, downtown Robert Brown is a lot faster than I thought he was. Uh, he was really fast, really determined. Man. He, he caught a 55-yard touchdown pass. Uh, you know, it was about a 20-yard pass, and he just breaks it. He spin moves and, and maneuvers around people and runs the daylight as good as anyone. Uh, and then uh, later on in the game, they, they handed the ball off to him at the 20-yard line, and he took it 80 yards into the into pay dirt. Uh Will the Thrill Adams is a great quarterback. There ain't no other way to describe it. And uh, Dahlstrom gets some good yards, but they have a lot of guys. They, they were distributing the ball around. Now, I don't know. I think Louisa uh, Muscatine, you know, they were having a down year, and they got kind of yeah. – well, it seems like to me when a team, you know, that hasn't won a lot of games, that doesn't have a lot of confidence, gives up a lot of points early, they just kind of hang their hat and and, and grind out the clock from there on out. Yeah. But uh, – um, I mean, what do you want out of them? I mean, they, they, they played, they beat a playoff team in Danville. Uh, they played ranked teams in Columbus and, uh, uh, Lisbon. Lisbon is number five and they really played them well. Um, I talked to both coaches, you know, um, uh, you know, there's, Pekin has a lot going for them. And I think every week of this season, Pekin got better. What do you think? I agree. And, and the game I saw him in, of course, at Columbus, the, the score got way out of hand, but it was one of those things where Columbus was starting to look like that team that everybody thought they were and are uh, coming into the season. Um, they were really cranking in that game, especially on offense. But like you said, you got Robert Brown and Will Adam and some other players too. But those two, 
they stand out with a handful of players in this district that just have elite speed on the football field. You talk about a Caden Amagon, uh, Riley Kaleberg, and Will Adam, and uh, downtown Robert Brown, I would throw. Young, I got his name pulled up for Danville, number five, Kessler Whaley. These kids are burners on the football field, and if you give them a step, they're gone. And so Pekin's got big playability. They put it on display at Columbus, even in that losing effort. Uh, so they're a dangerous team. Linville Sully, kind of a little bit on the opposite trajectory. They've had a great year, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they lost some key players from the team that went to the Dome last year. They got the injury, you know, to quarter down harder. Maybe he's back He's now. back. He played in the last game. That that really raises their their chances uh, for me anyway. And, and well, I wouldn't want to play him without him. I, I'd want to play I'd want their best in there when I played him, I guess, for some reason. But uh, uh. You know, he's one of those players, he's so good, especially in a small school level. Uh, you know, football's an 11-man game, so you can't rely on one guy. You can't lean on one guy too much or you're not going to get very far. But I actually but think that, maybe that helped him not having him for a while because the other players had to step up. What do you think about that? I'll tell you what, the timing couldn't have been any better to, to have a, you know, a fairly, you know, serious injury go to one of your best players. Um, and, but, but not be so bad that he's out for the year. He can get back in time for when the games really matter. Not the worst thing in the world for Linville Sully. Like you said, that gave other players reps, um, maybe have, make them have to change some things, look at some things in a different way offensively. They, they may be, you know, more diverse, have more, uh, things to throw at everybody now too, because of it. Um, so on that end, that doesn't bode well for Pekin, but I don't they know. Got a, they got a dump truck load of talent up there at Linville Sully. So they, like you say, they ain't just a one-man team by no stretch of the imagination. You're making picks. You know, they're going to be the smart pick for sure. Well, what um, do you think about uh, – let's talk about Will Adams passing, man. He's, he's You know, um, Robert Brown was making catches when he was, I thought, double-teamed and, and in traffic and – he just raises his arm up and says, and he likes it when they give him the ball, man. Give me the ball. And once he gets it, he's spinning. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm thinking for Pekin to have a shot. Uh, downtown Rock Brown's gonna have to have a big game. Well, there's no doubt about it. Like, but when like, didn't he have a big game? Yeah, a big game every week. Um, he's gonna need what he's gonna need. This is where football, being that ultimate team sport, comes into play. He's gonna need some help from guys that maybe we don't hear about or talk about nearly as much. That's what's going to have to happen. Well, they distributed the ball around. There were several guys that ran the ball. Uh, and they, their defense looked good to me. They were swarm tackling and, and putting hats on guys and, and working as a unit really well. But uh, they weren't exactly playing Linville Sully last week. But I'm excited about this. Are you, are you Scott? Yeah. Like I said, I think uh, this is a great time. You know, after we saw he can do against Lisbon, even in a loss. Um, if I'm Linville Sully, I'm looking at that game tape. You know, um, this is not going to be a cakewalk for for the Hawks by any means. No, but it's a great game. Um, I wish both teams good luck. Uh, yep. Well, let's drop it down to eight-man football. And here is a pretty interesting matchup right off the bat as Iowa Valley at BGM. I think they played each other during the season. Well, let me look it up because I, you know, honestly, I haven't paid any attention to any eight-man football that didn't involve Winfield, Mount Union, or Waco. Yeah, well, BGM has, has scored a shitload of points this year. I mean, lots of points. They have. BGM scored a ton. Uh, Iowa Valley's had some games where they've scored a ton, uh, but these guys don't like to play defense. So there's no championship in the future for either of these teams this year. <laughs> but uh, it, like you said, this should be a good game. 
Um, you're right. They did play early in the season. Iowa Valley week one, actually week zero, came out with a 48 to 30 win. So, you know, an eight man, that's not much. That's like, that's about like winning by a touchdown. Um, that's pretty early. That's, that's when most teams are playing a scrimmage. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, uh Iowa Valley, uh, uh, six and two here. I think that, I think their only losses are to Winfield Mount Union and, uh, 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 Waco. That's it. Well, the problem for both these teams is when they play somebody elite, they get absolutely drubbed. Um, when they play somebody that's on the, you know, on the other end of things, then they are the ones absolutely drubbing. You know, they, they that's when they're putting up their eighty and ninety points or whatever. Well, it's not um, like this good, good, great game, Scott. Well, it, it bodes well for this game. It does not bode well going forward for the winner. All right. Well, here's a team that you and I are, are very fond of, and that's Southeast Warren. Uh, they they had a tough season four and four play a lot of really great teams, uh, uh, but uh, they're they're uh, going to have to go on the road and play Cam, and I'm thinking that's almost a suicide mission. Yeah, who are they playing again? Cam, Cam Anita. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> there. I don't know what to say about it. Um, I don't know that Cam's quite on the level that they were when they won state there whatever three years ago but uh they're certainly close and uh they've got they've got the the opponents and the the wins and margin of victory to back that up um not a lot of close games for cam on the year i'd say the closest one they had was against the fremont mills team that's kind of underachieved this year and they won 37 to 20. um i don't think cam's unbeatable but i don't think southeast warns that team mm-hmm. Well, we'll wish them luck, and uh, uh, maybe they can yep. um, do a little damage up there. Uh, okay. Here's one. Uh, uh, Montezuma at five and four is going to go on and take a, on Gladbrook Rhinebeck. Well, um, I don't know a ton about these teams other than Gladbrook. Rhinebeck's been ranked number one all year till they were finally, if you even want to call it that, upset by Clarksville recently. Um I don't know. I think Montezuma is a great team, but not uh, again. They're they're one that uh, doesn't doesn't focus on defense enough. Yeah, this they score a, lots it, of points. Uh, it, the, well, this they is play out in that in that whole district. That's all they do, ain't it? It's just the Baxters yeah. and the Moravias and the Montezumas, and it's just there's no defense, but it's all offense. And as far as the offense parts goes, they're really good at that. They are, but you've got to be really physical on both sides of the ball to take on a Gladbrook Rhinebeck or a Cam or a Winfield Mountain Union or a Waco um, and some of these others that I consider serious dome contenders. So this isn't uh, this isn't one I have a lot of hopes for for Montezuma. Okay, the Baxter Bolts at five and three are going to make the trip to Wayland to take on Waco, who's seven and one. That's that's a good one, um, Baxter. Perennial playoff team. Um, they've taken a few on the chin this year, uh, and I don't know what their expectations were as far as what they had coming back experience-wise or any of that. But uh, you know, they've they've had some close victories and it looked like some real exciting games all season long. Um, and you know, they they've done well. They've come out of it with a five and three record. They do have a win over Montezuma recently. Um, they got kind of beat up on a little bit by Audubon here in the last week of the season, who's a playoff team once again. Coach Burke's know, over there with a nice little win there. Yeah. Uh, He's had a great I, season, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like Waco in the matchup, though. I think uh, 
I think people were high on Waco, um, somewhat due to reputation and what they did last year. I think they put too much into that game against Winfield Mount Union where, yes, Winfield Mount Union did win handily, and I expected them to win that game uh, based on what we know going in. But uh, I also know this Waco team very well, and they didn't play their best game that week by any means. And I think they are chomping at the bit to show the state that they are a lot better than what they were in that game and that they've been overlooked uh, since that game. And, yeah. Uh, um, for Baxter. I'm thinking that uh, Waco is going to go deep, deep, deep. Well, I was talking to Coach Edeker, you know, and we were talking about who they might play and whatever, you know, because he didn't play that last game of the season, so I haven't talked to him for a, a couple of weeks. But uh, um, he was uh, – I was telling him, I says, my dream matchup, and I hope it happens, and it may happen in the next round, uh, would be Moravia at Waco. Uh, but I think there's a similar feel here. Uh, simply, I wanted to see them play a team that was super good at offense and not good at defense and see how that worked out, you know. Uh, but I, I, I'm i with you on the Waco. I, I think they're pretty dang – I don't think they're rated ranked as – uh, high as they should be, and I, I don't see any flaws in them, and uh, uh, I think it's an uphill battle for the Baxter Bolts here. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I'm considering going to that game right now. I'm, I'm leaning towards going over to Winfield Mount Union. I think that should be a good one, and it's one of those deals where I haven't seen Winfield Mount Union in person as, as much as I'd like to this year, um, but I, I'm I'm holding off on deciding for sure just yet, but I'm either I'm going to an eight-player game Friday. I know that much. Okay, uh, I didn't even write down one feel about Union's opponent, but we'll we'll talk about this. Is the last one I wrote down here, and it's Moravia at seven and two taking on Lone Tree, and I'm 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 liking this matchup. This should be a great game. Um, I think it's uh, two teams that are a lot alike, and that they like to to win by high score, you know, and that could be a lot of fun for fans to watch. Um, I think it's a toss-up game, a 50-50 game. No way to really predict really? it. Really? You're putting a 50-50 on this one? Yeah, I, I think Lone Tree and Moravia are both teams that they could beat about anybody if that other team isn't physical enough on defense. And, and quite honestly, I don't think either of these teams are. So they're going to be, you know, these guys are like looking in a mirror at each other. Um, and I think it's going to be possibly high scoring, real exciting, and down to the wire. Who's got the ball last type of game? Well, I think Lone Tree had a pretty outstanding season. Um, and uh, they're they're doing well. A big step from up from last year. So, who does Winfield Mount Union play? Let me pull that up real quick. I can't remember anything for more than five minutes these days. I don't days. know why. I, I I was right. You know, just just going through that list and writing things down, and I can't believe I didn't write them down. Well, it's definitely uh, one that's. Oh, they got Bell Plain. Bell Plain's that team that. Uh, had kind of had a rough go of it recent years playing 11 man. They're one of the few that, uh, or maybe a couple that got to drop down into eight player this year and has found some success. Um, honestly, this will be maybe one of the better teams, even though they're four and four that the Winfield Mount unions played this year. Uh, having said that, I don't expect Winfield Mount unions, uh, scoring average to go down any after it's all said and done Friday. Um, but I'm, I'm happy for Bell Plain to, you know, drop down into eight man and find a little bit more uh, ability to compete and all that kind of stuff. Uh, going through their schedule, right off the bat, one that'll stick out to you, and it was first game of the year, and you know how we can throw those out a lot of the time. But they only lost 34-32 to to that undefeated Clarksville team that just beat um, 
Gladbrook running back. So Belfine's well, got. They do have the opportunity to play big teams in, I guess. They do, and they've got some high scores. Here's here's the one thing that just going off their their schedule that stuck out to me as I'm going over it is as the season wore on, they seemed to fade. They started out strong, high scores over some of the weaker teams they played, having that tough uh, loss against Clarksville. They get into kind of the middle of the season here or so, and then that's where you see them lose 62 to 32 to Montezuma. Um, Iowa Valley most recently here in the last week of the season beat them 70 to 12. And we saw what, you know, Winfield Mount Union has done to the Iowa Valleys and the Montezumas of the world. Uh, so Bell Plains chances in this game are less than slim, but if, if they can find the form that they had early on, it, it could give uh, some meaningful reps for more than a half to the, the Winfield Mount Union starters. We'll see how it goes. Well, um, I think Winfield Mount Union's eight-man team could beat a lot of 11-man teams if you gave you 11-man teams 11-man and only yeah, only restrict them to eight. Uh, I don't think nobody beating – I don't – I mean, maybe when we get into the Dome, somebody might give a game to Winfield Mount Union, but I ain't never seen a team any better than that. Uh, uh, certainly not this year. Um, just unbelievable. This is, this is a, the Wolves' year in my book. Yeah, I said it a year ago. Um, I thought last year that they would have a better season than they did, but th that bad luck thing kind of followed them around like a dark cloud all season long on top of the low numbers that they had. Um, and we said if, if a couple tweaks were made to the, the depth and the experience uh, that they would have coming into this season, all that stuff went right, and it has, that they'd be – it'd be hard for anyone in the state to beat them. And I still – buy into that more and more each week uh right now they look as unbeatable as any football team i've ever seen yeah they look like like hell on wheels is what they look like well scotty the first time you ever came on round guy radio three years ago you told me that winfield mount union was fixing to put a team together that uh for a big big run and they had a lot of talent we better pay attention to them and you were correct well, it wasn't, that wasn't any, uh, <laughs> that's some low hanging fruit there to be honest. <laughs> anybody in this area knew the, the type of genetics that were on that team. They just were youthful. Uh, so it was a matter of getting experience and, and growing and they've done it. And they're here at, uh, some of them, the seniors anyway, at the end of that. And, uh, they, they know what's at stake. Carter Lloyd said it to me one game at a time. That's their mindset. That's the right mindset for a championship team to have. And they just got to go out and get it. Well, uh, I cried myself into my pillow a little bit after the season was over, Scotty. Uh, um, I know you love the playoffs and everything, but dang, uh, that season went by quick, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and it doesn't help it. I, I like what the state's done. It's one of the things I like about Iowa with the small schools shortening the regular season to you know, eight games and then expanding the playoffs so that a bunch of teams get a ninth game. And they get into a lot of teams, you know, Here's the difference, 2A and below, and, and you've seen it, a lot of teams with three and five records are going to playoffs. And in 3A to 5A, there's teams that are 7 and 2 that aren't going to playoffs. Yeah. Um, Six and three that, doesn't get you, doesn't even, doesn't even come close to guarantee you a, a playoff spot. Some of that's because those, those bigger school uh, classifications don't have very many schools in them, you know, but uh, it, I think Iowa does a good job every two years trying to tweak things to make things better. Whereas the state I grew up in just seems to have the same old format in place that works 
sort of, <laughs> and they never change a thing. Um, I like what we do over here in Iowa, and uh, right now I think it's as good as it can be. And and um, I don't know, I I'm excited for the playoffs to start. Uh, like you said, it's just once that starts, man, and the teams start dropping, you know, the end's coming soon. <laughs> well, if you're an athletic director out there, give some damn courtesy to the team, to the people who broadcast are going to come try to cover the teams in the playoffs. There's no excuse to act like the band meter. Uh, it just, you know, I've run into uh, butt hurt press box guys myself. You know, I don't know what the deal is on that, but uh, we're all here trying to cover sports. And, and uh, I think there should be, and there's some great schools and some really great ADs, you know, and I mean, coach Weber, he gave me, he got me a spot in the press box right at the 50 yard line, man. I mean, uh, some of the schools just go above and beyond, and and uh, I don't mind pointing out the schools that I don't much care for, uh, or at least the way they treat people. Uh, well, Scotty, you got any parting shots or anything uh, um, you want to say about the playoffs or maybe last week's game that you went to? Just to piggyback on that, it's this stuff is about the kids, not about the adults. My mama raised me to be a great host, fan meter. I'm talking to you. Um <laughs> So let's let's do what Dave says. Let's be great hosts. Let's make this a really good experience for 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 everyone, especially folks maybe can't get to the game in person. We have this tech out there now to get games streamed and, and broadcasted either audio or video or both or whatever. Let's make that happen because uh, everybody wants to see them them kids, you know, get out there and perform and do that thing they worked so hard for since man, well anymore. It's about a year round thing, but definitely since August. So everybody enjoy it. Um, Good luck to everybody. That's about all I got to say. Let's just hope that the adults can be more mature than the kindergartners. Well, it's, uh, it's a tall like order in today's fun. world, but uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, Scotty, um, we still got. Uh, I think we still got a, a few more weeks of football with all these great teams that are, that are on this sheet of paper that we got. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know we're sad about the the incoming the the big schools. You know, we know we got one more week of regular season, but unfortunately, that's all we got. Uh, we'll follow who, you know, I'm definitely going to be following the Williamsburg Raiders and the Solon Spartans and things like that, but uh, they're not local as far as I'm concerned. But uh, small schools, you're right. We we may be well into Yeah, we got, we're stacked in the small schools, but like you say, it's just with the, even with the teams around here, you know, when the, when the Fort Madison's got to play the Washington's, the Fairfields, the Keokuks, and all that, I mean, that's tough too. Uh, much less you have to play, you know, the big schools in Cedar Rapids and Des Moines and Devon. Look at the Tumwa, man. I mean, they got to play all those schools in Des Moines. You know, they have a pretty good season too, but you know, they're not sniffing the playoffs with the, that kind of a schedule. No, um, maybe Muscatine's but... pretty good, but I did hear Ty Koza got hurt again or something uh, in a non-football injury. Okay, I haven't heard that yet. You know, I uh, well, it's a it's a friggin' Red letter day when I know something that you don't, Scotty. <laughs> well, Scotty's been pulled in a lot of different directions recently. So well, you haven't, you don't have very much time, and uh, but what time you have, you give it to the to these kids and everybody around here uh, loves you and appreciates you, and, and I think you get enough hugs from moms out there that it's, that's enough of a reward in and of itself, isn't it? Well, hey, the, the moms, you know, shout out to them because they're the most rapid fans out there, and it's a lot of fun to, to be in the stands with those with those gals uh, cheering their sons on. Coming up, telling you how much they appreciate you, and uh, 
Yeah, it uh, it takes a, a mom and a dad and and a coach and and some fans and maybe a couple people with a bullhorn to let the rest of the state know about Southeast Iowa and the Round Guy Radio family teams. Uh, uh, but you did a great job this season, as you always do. Thank you so much for being with us, Scotty. I love every second of it, and we'll do some more. All right. High School Football on Round Guy Radio was brought to you by Iowa Tire of Fairfield, Iowa. Mike's Auto Sales of Muscatine, Kyoto Transmission and Repair, Flint Cliffs Manufacturing of Burlington, Iowa, Wester Drug of Wilton and Muscatine, Jim Fagan, your neighbor's insurance agent, Home Plate Sports Cards of Oskaloosa, Henshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa, B&B Propane, Richardson's Tech Solutions, and Farmers Co-op of Envision Ag of Kyoto, and the Packwood Locker of Packwood, Iowa, soon to be Griner Meats and Groceries of Richland.